This week on Behind the Message, we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. That's really hard. Like, it's so hard. <laughs> so, so forgiveness is hard. So I've brought along <laughs> Lena. Lena, welcome to Behind the Message. Lena. All right. So Lena and I often talk about how forgiveness is hard, and it's hard to ask for, for forgiveness, and it's hard to forgive others. So since we talk about this so much, I thought, I thought I'd just let Lena Perfect. speak to it. All right, Lena, why is it so hard to forgive? Because you want, like, you want revenge, kind of. <laughs> you do. That's <laughs> right. Like, family, welcome to Behind the Message. We are in October. It is feeling like fall, a little bit outside. So Fall's my favorite season, by the way. Why is that, Daniel? It's not hot, and it's <laughs> not cold, and there's football. It's <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's it. It's the nice in-between. It is. What's your favorite it's season? The, I like all of them, because we lived in Vegas, and we had none. That's my very political answer. We're in a political season. That's my politically correct answer. You like all of them. No, actually it is because we lived in Vegas and we had one season. I feel like I just asked which kid do you love the most. All I mean, of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Anyway, you guys continue to send in your messages to this format. It's, it's fun for us, but we hope it's serving you well. Send them in to btm at tcbchurch.org. Um, send those in to us and we'll try our best to answer them. That's always been fun. Um, we do have some exciting family news. One reason I'm excited about it, and this is going to sound really dorky and kind of like I'm um, plugging church staff a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, and that is something that I read in Hebrews this week, which I'm hearing from you guys a lot, but it's Hebrews 10. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but it's 1025 and it says this, do not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what that has to do with our family news is this. Um, it has been such an encouragement to me how you guys, as our leadership, have continued to pursue um, the priority that scripture places on gathering together as a church family. Um, it's a privilege every week to do that. Not everybody gets to do that. So um, it, it's been a huge privilege. It's, uh, and it's a call and it's uh, uh, an act of obedience to you guys for you guys as our leadership. So along those lines, our family news announcement, big one is next Sunday, October 18th, we are having one huge family outdoor gathering, and that is going to be great. I'm already checking the weather, and I think it's going to be fallish. No, I think it's going to be sunny. I think it's going to be okay. Um, so that is next Sunday, October 18th. We are not having a Sunday night service. Um, that's wrong. We're not having a Saturday night service. Um, we're not having we, a Sunday night service either. We're not having a Sunday night service either. Um, we're having one Sunday morning service, 1030. So 10.30, yeah, 10.30, Sunday morning, outside. Um, you can find all kind of details about it online or just come bring friends, um, bring family members. We'll have plenty of room to spread out outside, bring a lawn chair. Um, so it'll be fun. I'm kind of looking forward to it. You know what the, the main goal behind that service is? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, our team will do a great job with yeah. the sound and they'll do a great job with all those kinds of things. But we've even told them we're not trying to put on like the, yeah. the, the beauty of that is for us to be able to all be at the same place at the same time and just make much of Jesus together. I mean, it's been like six, seven months. I mean, months. there are people that have been going to one service or another service or whatever, yeah. and they haven't even seen some of the brothers and sisters yeah. in church that they would normally would. And so to just be able to even wave across yeah. the parking lot and sing the same song and yeah. praise the Lord, open up the, the scriptures to the same place and have the word, that's just going to be a precious yeah precious gift to us. So Super yeah, join us Sunday. It'll be yeah, exciting. I'm excited about that. Um, one more family news announcement, and that is 
after all the confusion about service times, <laughs> our service times are changing. So um, this coming Sunday, the 18th, outdoor service, everybody together. The following Sunday, the following weekend, which is the weekend of October 25th, um, we're gonna add an extra service. And the reason we're doing that, we're adding a fourth service, um, is because more of our church family are beginning to come, they're beginning yeah. to gather with us, and we wanna make sure we have the space to socially distance appropriately. So we're still gonna be having Saturday at 6.30, make sure I get this right, Saturday at 6.30. Um, we're going to have Sunday mornings now at 8 a.m., at 9.35, and at 11.15. Eight o'clock, nine thirty-five, and eleven fifteen on Sunday mornings. So, um, and that'll all be online. It'll all be online, and you still have to RSVP. Yeah. So we're still having to do the same thing. So make sure you RSVP, and when you go online to RSVP like normal, you'll see those service times there. Pick the one that, that works best for yeah. you and your family, uh, and join us. So that starts the week after our outdoor week service. After the outdoor service, that's awesome. So I'm excited about that. So another reason I like fall. Change. <laughs> Why not? Why not some more change? All right. Special weekend um, this past weekend as Mike preached through the book of Philemon. Um, it was pronounced several different times, several different ways within my family. So I may say it four different ways. Philemon or Philemon or I don't know. The kids were all making fun of it this weekend. But anyway, special service. But what got you out of, out of the message this week? Okay, so I got to own something. Okay. One of the more difficult intellectual things. I thought you were going to own it and say, I have to own something. I didn't go to church this week. No, no, I no. no. I, 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 I was at every service. I was there. I, I was on stage. You were, were on you stage. at church? Um, no, I, it, I, is the canon. Okay. How the 66 books yeah. were put together in one Bible. Every believer should study that. Hmm. That's an important thing to understand for us who hold up a high view of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scripture and its impact on our life as God's Word. Some things make it into the Scriptures that when you study them, you go, how is that in there? Mm. And it's not that it's bad. It's not. This is one of those things that seems so incredible to me that this letter makes it in. Mm. One, the circumstances around it are incredible. Two, the dangers of it are really present. Hmm. I mean, this this little letter, as much as anything, was used by Christians to justify slavery yeah. for centuries, really, after that. And that's not the purpose. Mm -hmm. It's a misinterpretation of it. Mm -hmm. We know that. But that happens in this little letter. Mm -hmm. And then you're just getting this descriptive account. And there's not a lot of that in the New Testament. Yeah. Now, you get a lot of those descriptive accounts in the Old Testament as you follow Israel. This is just this story, to some extent, of these connections. And so, in that, I think Mike captured the heart of it, and it's the thing that jumps out at me, and it's what gets me every time. And it is that the truth of the gospel has implications on our relationships. The gospel changes the way we interact with one another. Apart from the gospel, the dynamic between the people in this little letter mm -hmm. is greatly different. Yeah. But because of the gospel, all parties in this letter are acting and um, really trusting mm -hmm. in a different action back. And so in our culture, we tend to get this backwards. We tend to think that it is our relationship that has implication for the gospel. There's probably no better descriptive example in scripture than what you're gonna find in this little letter, that it is in fact the gospel that has implication on our relationships yeah. and not the other way around. And so I just kinda 
let that thought chase That's as good. I heard the sermon, and it was great. I loved it. What about you? That's what awesome. got well, you? Mine was this, one of the statements that Mike made, one of the points. Um, he asked the question, why is forgiveness so difficult for us as believers? Uh, and unbelievers, but why is forgiveness so difficult for us? And um, and that jumped out at me because the way he tied it into um, not being able to forgive, um, it came down to, in my own mind and heart and, and through what he taught, that not being able to forgive is actually a sign of a lack of trust in the yeah. Lord. And I had never really put those two together. And, and I think, um, and what he brought out was, um, there's so much pride in holding on to um, that bitterness and hurt and not forgiving another person. And it's the pride that says, if I don't hold on to this and and even wear this as a badge of honor and get the attention and the identity from that, then I have no identity, then I'm not going to get that attention, then I'm not going to feel affirmed. And it's almost this reverse pride. It's still putting tension, attention on ourselves. But what that truly shows is there's no trust in your in your God, in the identity that God gives you to be able to freely just walk in, yeah. in forgiveness and, and who he's created you to be. So that was that was huge for me. Um, and it's huge among the female realm um, because we do tend as women, sorry, but to hold things, to get offended and to hold things tightly. When it comes to our kids, when it comes to our families, when it comes to how we parent, to how we mother, to how we school, people will say things and, oh, we'll hold on to those things and just and pet those things of bitterness, um, and that becomes our identity. And um, that's really a lack of trust in a sovereign God who who oversees all of that, and our identity is in Him. So that, that stood out to me um, in a pretty powerful way. That's good. Yeah. You know what time it is? I do. All right, now listen. No, no, no. Are we I, I want you to do it. You can. Come on. Daniel? So listen. I, I, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. you tried and you bombed. I mean, you and Jeremy, it didn't go well. But you can, you can rise, that, you can rise, rise up, rise up. Here we go. Daniel, you have to understand. People feel uncomfortable when we step that far out of our known personalities, and I just don't have the personality to do that. So here's your choice: you can do it and make it like super you, or I can do it and make it sweetly me. Make it sweetly you. And since it's my husband, I'll do it sweetly. We would love to have Mike Lauren come down and join us for the sermon recap. That's great. (laughs) That works. All right, sermon recap. You guys ready? Uh, What's been really neat, I think, over the past few weeks as we've been in the epistles and we've just been reminded that the gospel really is absolutely transformational uh, in every area of our lives. So we've seen how the gospel transforms our purpose in life. We've seen how the gospel transforms our relationship to sin. We've seen how the gospel transforms our relationship to money and possessions. And then this week we get really painfully practical and see how the gospel, those who believe and are transformed, it changes the way we relate to one another. So here's the book of Philemon, this little letter from Paul, and we realize that as humans, and I look to you, my wife, because we've lived this out for 25 years in marriage. Sweetly we, and kindly. We, we, yes, we have the capacity to hurt one another yeah. greatly as human beings. We're fallen. But at the same time, born again, transformed disciples of Jesus have an immense capacity to forgive, yeah. and that's what we want to practice and model to the world, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So here's a little letter of from Paul, the apostle, to a dude named Philemon, and you really see a picture of what this forgiveness can look like. So Paul writes from Rome, he writes to Philemon, who's a church leader in Colossae, 
and he writes about a guy named Onesimus, that little, that name, that tough name. We don't use that name a lot here at East Tennessee. Uh, and he writes to Philemon and says that the backstory is that Philemon was a church leader. Uh, he had a bondservant, a slave named Onesimus. At some point in history, Onesimus had fled from Colossae, wound up in Rome, crossed paths with Paul, heard the gospel, was transformed, became incredibly useful to Paul. They became ministry partners. But Paul realizes, I gotta send Onesimus back to Philemon in Colossae for multiple reasons. One is they've gotta they work on this relationship. Onesimus has wronged Philemon. Mm -hmm. He's hurt him. He left him, stole from him. So Paul in the middle of that letter writes a letter to Philemon and says, I'm sending him back to you, which is just a powerful statement. And all that that meant, you need to deal with, there's gotta be some reconciliation and forgiveness that happens here and all the implications of that. So what we see in that really is a picture of what forgiveness can be, should be, and the biblical, the big truth we took out of Ephesians, where Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, be kind, tenderhearted to one another, forgiving. Mm -hmm. Forgiving one another, and what's our standard of forgiveness? How I feel about it, how the world does it? Not at all. Mm -hmm. Our standard and call of forgiveness is as God in Christ has forgiven us. Mm -hmm. It's a gospel standard only possible by gospel transformation. So you see that lived out. And then, so we're able to wrestle with what, what is true forgiveness from this letter? Why is it so tough for us? And all the reasons we wrestle with that. And then why do we forgive? And ultimately we forgive because of the gospel, because of the immense amount of trespasses and sins and offenses that have been forgiven us by our heavenly father. We then extend that forgiveness to others because our debt has been paid in Christ. But we, we saw really forgiveness is this, it involves a recognition and a release of offenses, but it also involves reconciliation and restoration, which is really difficult sometimes. And that's really what Paul is calling Philemon and Onesimus to do, to be reconciled, a restoration. And we get a really good challenge of what biblical forgiveness is to look like from this little short letter from Paul to Philemon uh, there in the New Testament. So yeah. I kind of wish um, that there was a record of what Paul's conversation with Onesimus was. Yeah. You know, as a, as a convert, as a believer, as somebody who had come alongside Paul and was ministering to Paul, Paul looked at him and said, here's your next step in mm. discipleship. Here's the next thing you need to do. Yeah. And the fear that, Ones I mean, had to be extremely fearful yeah. for Onesimus to return. Um, to that situation where he had wronged Philemon, run away, stole from him, and had no means of justifying himself right. and had to throw himself on the mercy of Philemon. We see how Paul encouraged Philemon. Um, but for Paul to say, you know, it's a trust, it's a trust thing to even go and ask someone else for forgiveness, not knowing what their response is gonna be. So yeah. um, I wish we had a little bit of yeah. Um, Paul's conversation with Onesimus with all of that too. Yeah, so you're, you're yeah. going to go back to Philemon. Yeah. There's some reconciliation that's got to take place. You have wronged him, Onesimus, yeah. but I'm going to write a letter on your behalf yeah. of what God has done in your life. You're going to carry it. You're going to hand yeah. it to Philemon. And not just Philemon, this, remember this all happened, you have to believe, in the context of the community yeah. of the church at Colossae. Yeah. I think everyone probably knew what had happened How's Philemon going to handle it? How's, what's reconciliation going to look mm -hmm. like? It wasn't just an individual matter either. It was a community reality that you see lived out. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's a neat, he's carrying this letter 
and I'm sending you back to Philemon. Gulp from Onesimus. Yeah. Gulp from Philemon who sees Onesimus showing up and then opens this letter. And now I'm call I'm calling you to receive him, yeah. Paul said. Receive him. And it's not Oh, so I was going to say, I, I want y'all to, to talk about something uh, in just a second, but I wanted to throw something else in here, and that's something that I'm super thankful for again, um, that you guys, as two of the teaching pastors, but our whole leadership team, you allow Scripture to set the agenda of what is being taught, and that... And we've said this multiple times, but, you know, you all committed several years ago to take 2020 and preach through the Bible Mm -hmm. and to know where we have been throughout this year in 2020 as different things have happened has just been extremely encouraging. But to know that we are we are right here dealing with how do we as believers live in the midst of corrupt culture and how that how the gospel should transform our lives. um, You guys have not allowed the culture to set the agenda of what you've what you preached. You have used God's word and taught straight through it and God speaks to every um, mm. issue you know coming and going so I've just been I've been really really thankful for that mm. and um, anyway so I interrupted you go ahead no I, I, just but I, I think that's good at the same time because when he sent back to go back to Philemon catch this he it's not like we don't know I'm going to put myself in his shoes Philemon, I may have stole from that dude. That dude wronged me first. Uh, that like the whole system is yeah. like I, I look back yeah. and they're, I'm wrestling with some of that. I'm a slave. Maybe I'm treated really well and that, but I just don't like it. I don't sure. get to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much freedom. And no matter no matter how, it, you know, it says of Philemon, Paul, I hear of your love and faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, your love for Jesus. So here's a guy who loves Jesus. Who he's still a sinner. Mm-hmm. And he's still the master, mm-hmm. which means, man, I'm probably in situations that I feel I'm being treated unfairly, unjustly. It's, it's not good. So when Paul says, hey, go back, it's not just the fear of going back for the consequences. There's probably in my heart an argument with Paul that says he's the one that needs to come to me. Yeah. And more times than not, in our disputes with our brothers and sisters, that's what it looks like. We, mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. It's not like we just think it's all one-sided. I mean, I've done tons of marriage counseling over the years. It's never just one-sided. Mm-hmm. There's always back and forth, and mm-hmm. we hurt mm-hmm. one another. Sure. And we always experience the wrong to us greater than the wrong on the other mm-hmm. side. And yeah. it's hard for us to parse through that. Yeah. So even as our country is talking about social injustice. Mm-hmm. We're talking about things like, I mean, big principles like, you know, fairness and justice and our rights and to just be able to parse through all mm-hmm. that from our broken is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so here in this setting, he's not just asked to go back. He's asked to go back to someone who my guess is if I'm in his shoes, I feel like they're the one that should be coming to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what you have in this setup is a really beautiful picture of the priority of the gospel in our conflict, in our brokenness, in our injustice, in our situations that are hurtful to one another and how that plays out. And so, Mike, I'll go back to you. You mentioned a little bit of this. We're talking a lot about social justice and how do we get at that and what is the believer's place in that. And here's the situation. It's not clean. One has wronged the other and the other one's been involved in, in slavery and that the brokenness of that. And 
there's identity. How do we parse through all that? And what can we learn from this letter and how Paul addresses it and the place of the gospel in those things? Yeah, first, I think that was a good takeaway. You just said rarely in any situation mm -hmm. is it a clear cut. There is an offender mm -hmm. and one who's offended, yeah. and that's it. It's rarely that clean. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even here, it wasn't that clean, mm -hmm. to your point. I think that's a great takeaway. So one thing that stood out to me, you read through the letter of Philemon, and not just because it's discussion of our day right now, you can't read through this letter and not ask them, so I think, some valuable questions like that. So what about the institution, the unjust institution of slavery that was going on there? So in the Roman Empire, I mean, we can go historically and you know quote all that we know about it. I mean, it was just a prevalent reality in Rome of that day. At least a third of all Roman citizens were slaves in one way or another. So if you go to the Gospels and you go to the letters and you expect Paul, his primary bent to be this proclamation of we must abolish all slavery now, you're going to be disappointed and even frustrated with Paul. And I think you're going to misinterpret and use that, let's be honest, like was done for many years, even in our own country, yeah. with colonial slavery here, of using books like Philemon to defend slavery, mm -hmm. which is outrageous. Yeah, that's right. But if you go to it and say, well, Paul didn't, Paul didn't stand up and decry the institution of slavery, and I think there's reasons he didn't do that. The big takeaway for us right now is to remember Paul's primary emphasis and bent was not, I want to destroy these unjust institutions. I want to make Jesus known and proclaim the gospel. In the midst of. In the midst. Yeah. That is my calling. Mm -hmm. That's my primary calling. And that's yeah. the primary calling of the church in the midst of, like you were saying, all that's going on in our culture today. Man, we need to fix that structure. Yeah. We need to abandon this structure. We need, okay. But the church is the only voice of absolute truth that's going to bring about heart change, and we have the message of the gospel. Paul knew that. So Paul primarily said, no, we're going to make Jesus known, and we're going to take the Onesimuses, that Onesimuses, <laughs> and the Philemons, and we're going to share the gospel, preach the gospel. They're going to be changed. Philemon was changed. Onesimus was changed. Their relationships within this structure are going to be changed. And then eventually the whole structure itself is not going to be able to operate with all these transformed people within it. And that's ultimately what happened in Rome. The gospel transformed all of Roman society. But Paul didn't go in as a social activist and say, we're going to do this first. We're going to make Jesus known who changes lives, who then social change comes out of that. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really easy for us to get that backwards. There's so much pressure to be active in this and that. We deeply care about human needs and we greatly want justice and we want society to function correctly. But if you tear down a structure and change the structure, the sinful heart within it is just going to go build another structure and the same injustice is going to happen. Right. But a transformed heart by the gospel changes everything. Mm -hmm. The point is that's Paul's priority. Yeah. And the takeaway, it's got to be our priority. It's right. got to be. I think we underestimate, too, um, Paul is clearly a strategic thinker. Mm. I mean, he, I mean, mm -hmm. read his letters. I mean, he, he's a deep thinker. He thinks ahead. We underestimate the power of that moment. Yeah. I mean, if Philemon accepts this guy, all the other masters, mm -hmm. all the other or people around him, yeah. And really shows the love of the gospel that this slave who stole from me 
is now my brother in Christ. Right. His value and worth is wrapped up in him, and I'm going to treat him as such. Mm-hmm. It makes the news mm-hmm. yeah. because it is so radically different mm-hmm. than anything within the structure. Mm-hmm. It, it's the groundswell that leads to change. Mm-hmm. And I think those types of things are greatly underestimated when believers act out the gospel. Mm -hmm. They act out their faith, their love, in ways that personally counter the oppressive structures they're in. And that's just a huge impact. Anyway, I I, I thought that was neat. I I got another question I want us to talk about. All right, so we talked a lot about forgiveness. I think that was one of the, the... kind of the sweet uh, big ideas that kind of lace through the entire sermon is how we respond to one another in light of the gospel and specifically those who have wronged us. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of, it's a false idea, but there's this false idea that we forgive and we forget. But that's not reality for a few reasons. One of those within within the body of Christ, which this is an example, these are two believers that are within like capital church, the capital C church, right? There is a call to build one another up in Christ, to disciple one another. And there's a model in the New Testament that uses our past to help us see our blind spots, to help us see our broken worldviews, our strongholds, uh, not in a way that's condemning to us, but in a way that edifies us, that builds us up, that disciples us, that longs for sanctification in our life. So there's wisdom in revisiting the past for learning and edification. But there's a danger Mm -hmm. in our relationships when we revisit the past to condemn and to put down, and I thought you did this you said this so well, in pride to have the illusion that we have something over someone else. That's elevating us, lowering them. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of building them up, Mm -hmm. right? I'm building myself up Mm -hmm. and I'm tearing you down. How do we avoid those two ditches and what can that look like in the life of the believer to not just forget, uh, but to kind of seize moment by moment, day by day, our lives as an opportunity to disciple and edify, but not fall into the trap of our pride to tear others down mm-hmm. while trying to build ourselves up to hold some. That's, that's kind of a heavy question, but yeah. try to make that practical and help sure. us because I think those are two ditches we can fall into both sides. Sure. You want, you want to take no, it? you go. <laughs> okay, so I think the easiest way to get at it is to go back to our relationship with, with God and the way he handles it. Right, let's, let's take Paul for an example. There were times that Paul recounted his past. So in the book of Philippians, uh, this is off the cuff, I think it's chapter 3, he's talking about who he used to be, what he had done, the offenses he had committed. He was a persecutor of the church. All the sin of his past. And then he is quick to say, number one, but that's not who I am now. So don't use your pat don't revisit your past with again almost this reverse pride to your point earlier of well that's just who i am i can't get away from that i I, no that's not who you are anymore take it as a reason to rejoice in the gospel that you have been changed from that Mm -hmm. and then paul goes on to use it as now i exult in christ my identity is in christ and I think it's a constant reminder of the lavish grace that mm-hmm. has been extended to us. 
So he does that in Philippians 3. He does that in Ephesians 2. But you were dead in your sins and trespasses. That's a reality. That's who we were. We formerly walked according to the prince of the power of the air. That's who we were. This revisiting and being reminded of the past as a means, I think, to continue to be reminded of the grace that we have received. Can that play out in human relationships? It can. But to your point, God perfectly, it's not that God, does God forget our sin? God doesn't have a memory problem, right? God chooses to not bring our sin up in a condemning way. He chooses to not bring it up. If it's brought up, it's in a way to glorify the Son that the Son has paid it all. So in our human relationships, I can choose to bring up an offense, and I'll just go back to 25 years of marriage. But you wouldn't do that. I can choose to bring up an offense of the past to be historical of something my wife has done to me and wronged me. Pridefully, I can bring that up because I have power over you. Remember what you did to me? Therefore, I can use that as a, as a, it's a power grab mm-hmm. to get what I want. Mm-hmm. That's pride. And that is a wrong way to be historical or to remember. But I can also recount man, all the things that I have done and the way I've wronged my wife. I am so grateful for the forgiveness you've granted me over 25 years of the way. I, and it can be almost a endearing reminder of this grace that has been and continues to be extended in human relationships. And I think our, our relationship with our Heavenly Father models that for us. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of what you're getting at. I think it is. I, I want to make sure you guys catch something. Jennifer, Je- you, you, she jumped in and she's joking, but I, I don't think in her heart we joke very much. So when you said 25 years of marriage, your immediate response was, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> and that's a joke. You're joking in it, and I get that. I think for a lot of us, that's really how we think of it. Mm-hmm. If you're kind and you care about my growth, and my, you won't bring that up anymore. Mm. But I want you to think of, it's football season, we all like football. I want you to think of a football coach who cares about their player and wants their player to get better. And let's say that's a left tackle. And every time he goes to set up for his block, he leans forward too much, the guy's able to pull around, and he keeps doing it. It's a repeated flaw in his game. If that coach doesn't show him the tape of those flaws Mm. and help him see and help him work on those things, he's not going to get better. And you're going to say that's a bad coach. Mm -hmm. Well, He's coaching not to condemn him, but to help him see there are these patterns and there are these strongholds. And it's for the edification in that. So there's two things that have to happen. First, in the heart of the person who's discipling and edifying, their motive has to be pure. Mm -hmm. I mean, they gotta be praying before the Lord, they have to be abiding, and they have to go in love saying, all right, let's work on this. This, this." Second, the recipient has to realize that we have people in our life that coach us, Mm -hmm. that disciple us, Mm -hmm. that help us. And while they're saying, you're getting beat on this move, they're also saying, man, you're one of the best tackles in football, here's why. And in our case, you are in right standing with God because of Christ. Mm -hmm. You're good, he paid all of it, Mm -hmm. it's there. But we long to be like him, we long, let us die to self, let's pick up our cross and follow him. We don't like to be corrected. And we don't like for our past faults to be part of that correction. But if we acknowledge something even as simple as coaching, we understand the discipleship place that that has. And so there should be a place for you, the discipler, the edifier, in right motive to use our day-to-day life, including our past, to help us grow more into the image of Christ, to see our sin 
and to repent and to turn and to grow. And there should be a healthy place in which we receive that. And our pride works against us on both ends, mm-hmm. and it makes discipleship that much harder. Yeah. And so beware on both sides that you don't resist that coaching and that discipleship mm-hmm. and be be very careful not to be tempted to act out in your pride in your relationships to raise yourself up and lower somebody else for that sense of power or authority over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, that leads into a, a great question we received this week, which kind of ties into the same topic. But um, So I want to ask you guys a question that came in our mailbox this week, and it was this. Could you expand a little more on the part of true forgiveness, including restoration and reconciliation? Could you explain the situations where those things aren't always possible? For example, a divorce situation where there's been forgiveness, but restoration of the marriage wasn't possible. Um, Tough question, Um, but go. So this is, I think we have to be cautious how we answer this. So. When we, de- when we define forgiveness, we talked about that it involved reconciliation of the relationship. And it also involved restoration of um, function, status, place in the community, almost back as things were before, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You can say it that way. So for a believer, the idea that I ever have the permission to not pursue reconciliation with a person is not supported in Scripture. In other words, I am called by Christ to pursue a right, healthy relationship with that person, even that person who has offended me. Now, what that relationship may look like may vary, but Scripture says, so far as it's up to me, Romans 12, live at peace with all people. Mm -hmm. So it's my calling to pursue reconciliation in a way that I don't continually bear bitterness against that offender. When that person's name comes up in a conversation, that's not always, oh, well, that per, it's not. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that I'm going to the movies with them every week either. In other words, it's, it's not that either. The answer seems to be in the reconciliation of the relationship. So far as it's up to me, I must pursue peace mm-hmm. with that person. That, that seems to be in them. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there seems to be a recognition that, that restoration of some aspects or functions of the relationship may not be possible. Mm-hmm. We have to be real careful that not give ourselves an excuse. So there are uh, some things, for example, within a ministry context, if a person has committed something so heinous that it disqualifies them from ministry. Doesn't mean that the church and individuals who were harmed can't pursue reconciliation of the relationship, and they should. Doesn't mean it can't be forgiven, and it can. But a full restoration to that status or that role or that function that they had before can't happen. And wisdom says it it shouldn't happen. But the reconciliation of the relationship, living at peace with that person, I think is always our calling. Even where divorce is the issue. Divorce means, unfortunately, the relationship and the way it was before of husband and wife and it may not be possible anymore. One person may have gone off and, and married again. But the pursuit of that person to live at peace 
with that former spouse. Mm-hmm. Again, it may not be like it was before as far as hanging out and time spent. Mm-hmm. I get that. But the call to live at peace with that person in Christ, I don't think ever changes. And that's our call, I think, in the gospel. Yeah. Add to that? Yeah, I think it's great. I think when we think about reconciliation, I think that um, you want to get a little bit of handle what that might look like. Just think fruits of the Spirit in life and community with one another. So. Uh, loving, kind, like th- those types of things that play out in our lives with one another. But I think that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. One more question we got. Um, you kind of already touched on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's the plan for the services and ministries into the fall and 2021? So you talked a little bit about the outdoor yeah. service next Sunday, 1030. Yeah. Come join us. Bring a lawn chair, all those bring good things. Chair. Bring a lawn chair. It's going to be cold. Be a cool, but that's okay. I was going to say a Snuggie. Please you can bring a Snuggie. Please don't bring a Snuggie. You look great in a Snuggie. I, but I, yeah, I could, uh, maybe, uh, maybe. Um, I don't I don't own a Snuggie. Do you guys have a Snuggie at your house? No. No, no we do not. No. Did no. you get rid of my Snuggie? You, you get rid of my Snuggie. snuggie. We got to talk All about. of our audience, the Snuggies, is greatly offended that you don't like your Snuggie. All right, but know that the week after, again, time changes. Yeah. Yeah. Our services change. When you RSVP, you'll see those times. But they, there's three now on Sunday morning. We'll mm-hmm. still keep our Saturday night service uh, for a season. And so as just so you know, we always want you to be ahead when we're able to increase uh, the number of people that can gather mm-hmm. in the same room together. Uh, we'll drop that Saturday night service first. Mm-hmm. We'll have the three, and then we'll go back to kind of two where we were before. That's our plan. Uh, again, plans can change. But starting the 25th, we'll have mm-hmm. four services, one Saturday night, three Sunday morning, uh, and we'll do that for a season but ahead. what are you all doing in 2021? What's going to happen in I January? <laughs> That's the I question. Know. That's the question. That's really it. And it so... I think that has a lot to do with our kids and what what's going on. We don't know yet, uh, <laughs> and so we don't know. We don't know. Here's what I would ask you to do: pray, mm-hmm. uh, pray for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at some options that would allow us uh, to have some Wednesday night programs for our families and our kids, and trying to figure out how mm-hmm. we can do that in a safe way uh, with schools going back. That seems to be much more likely, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know what the next few months hold. Yeah. And so we're going to continue to walk through that, pray through that. And hopefully by the time we get into late November, early December, we'll be able to communicate some of those strategies and some of those plans. So, And this is also the time as a church family that we pursue keeping ourselves informed about what's going on with, with yeah. church changes. You know, before it was like, oh, I might get around to, to reading the e-letter or checking my email from the church or whatever. We, I mean, as a body of believers committed to being together and gathering together, Press in. And I mean, Dustin Nelson does such a good job does. with our communication stuff. If you don't, honestly, if you don't know what's going on in our church, it's probably more on you than it is Dustin or our church. I mean, there's websites, there's apps, there's e-letters. You just have to lean in. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's like the family meal. It's been cooked. It's been prepared. <laughs> it's set at the table. You just have to show up. Yeah. <laughs> so show up, lean in, uh, figure out what's going on. But part of that within the family thing that I do want to kind of let you guys in on, our preschool ministry is going to be kind of growing yeah. over the next few weeks and months as more and more people come back in. And so we sent Courtney, all right? Yes. Uh, so It's so cool. Sweet we sent Courtney. Courtney. And it was awesome to celebrate with Courtney in her yes. baptism yes. Sunday. Yeah. That was sweet. a really sweet thing. Yeah. But we sent Courtney to interview. Our uh, roving reporter. 
I know, she's incredible. <laughs> but we sent Courtney to interview Stephanie Walding, our yes. preschool director, to talk about what goes on the hall, some of that stuff. So going to get to watch that and get a little bit of a feel for what happens there. But begin to think about how you can serve and help out in these areas. And like Jennifer said, stay tuned to our website, our e-letters, all those good things to know what's coming next. Welcome to preschool. Thank you. Come on in. So what's been happening in preschool? Oh goodness. Well, with COVID happening, we actually had to close preschool for a little while, but in July we reopened. So on Sunday morning, we have classes in three of our classrooms um, happening at the 11 o'clock hour. So it's been pretty fun, exciting back here again, having some kids back here. Yes, very. So do you only do Sunday mornings? Well, right now we're only doing Sunday mornings. As the preschool coordinator, I actually oversee Sunday morning programming, Wednesday night programming for preschool and our halftime Mother's Day Out program. But we're only doing Sunday mornings. Um, again, it's at the 11 o'clock hour. And um, even with that, we're having our parents RSVP, just like they have to RSVP for service. Perfect. Yeah. I've got to go put some toys away. You want to come with me? Yeah. Tell us, do you like sweet or salty better? Always sweet. Me too. Always. And it really doesn't matter what kind of sweet. I like it. <laughs> They're all the best. This is one of our two-year-old classrooms. So we've been actually, um, with COVID, we're taking extra precautions to uh, clean and sanitize all of our toys. So then throughout the week, I come in and take all the clean toys and I put them in the classroom. Cool. So. so one thing before we go, what has God been teaching you? Oh goodness. There's a lot of things he's been teaching me, but I think in this season, it's to trust him more and to trust him more deeply. And that's with you know all aspects um, of my life, so yeah. That's so good. Thank you so much for having me in preschool today. You're welcome, it's good to have you here. Come back. All right, so guys, we're gonna spend um, just a second just reading and praying scripture over you as our church family. So let's pray together. We're gonna be in Philemon um, verses four through six. Father, I thank you for our time in the word with you. Um, both in the service this weekend and just time in the word one-on-one -on -one, um, as we press into the truth of who you are. And Lord, right now, as it says in Philemon, I just wanna thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And Lord, I do pray um, that our church body would become so effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in them for your sake, for Christ's sake. Um, Lord, may we be powerful witnesses of you by the way we interact and love each other and by the way we interact and love um, our culture, those that are around us um, in the midst of this world that we live in. Father God, thank you for the gift of your spirit as we walk in this world. And we love you and it's in your son's name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.